Kia ora and welcome to the Creative Matters podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with New Zealand artists. I'm your host, Mandy Yakich. These conversations are intimate, uplifting and insightful. The guests on the show have absolutely enriched my life and I'm sure their stories will have the same effect on you. Thank you so much for joining me to listen to these amazing people speak about what drives them, the way they work and their personal takes on life. Hi, and welcome back to Creative Matters. This week I'm speaking with Stephen Templer. Steve is an artist and illustrator previously from Wellington and now living in Kumu in the northwest of Tamaki Makoro, Auckland. His art practice includes street art, murals, graphic design, prop and concept design, illustration for children's books, and community art and festival projects. His work has elements of humour and tells playful stories, connecting people to form shared worlds where they feel safe and free to express themselves. Steve's paintings and illustrations offer a delicious escape into your own imagination with works that are like adventures with strong figurative hooks to take the imagination of the viewer on a personal voyage of discovery through old world mysticism and early nautical expedition. And that macabre um, beauty really inspired me for a long time, creating artworks, and that led into these kind of little shrines and dioramas and then automata, you know, moving pieces as well. I loved meeting Steve today. We talk about his amazing art and illustration practice and how he is so compelled to tell stories. He shares his passion for tinkering, building things, historical clockwork technology, all things Havana, festivals, and above all, how he loves to create work that makes people smile and bring joy to the world. Hi, Steve. Hello, Mandy. Nice to see you. Oh, it's lovely to see you. And it's uh, really great to meet you. It's You've been um, recommended by Kelly Sunshine, who I interviewed a few, quite a few episodes ago, and uh, is, she's a good friend of yours. Yeah, no, um, that was great that to, uh, she recommended um, me to come and talk to you, and you live just down the road in Middlewhite Beach, so it's just a fantastic opportunity to come and meet you and go to the beach. Yeah, totally, and I, <laughs> I thought that I was actually speaking with you in Wellington, but um, no, you were just down the road in Kumu, which is very handy. Yeah. Yeah, so welcome to Creative Matters. Thank you. And let's get into it. You have a really varied practice, and I know that um, our audience is going to find your story and your um, practice and process really interesting. So can we start from the beginning, please? And um, perhaps you can tell us where you were born and what sort of child you were. Well, uh it's that's it's a very um, broad question, isn't it? Um, but we'll start with the place I was born because that's quite interesting in its own way. Actually, um, uh, I was born on a remote um, Melanesian island uh, called Tanna Island, 
and my my dad is a teacher and my mum's a nurse but that was like that was i think one of my dad's first teaching jobs to go on this adventure to Vanuatu and uh we lived in a little village underneath a live volcano um and uh i just went there went back recently on on a trip i got shouted a trip back there by one of my clients actually but funny enough my i think i think this is my first memory of going up the volcano and it's a live volcano so it's absolutely frightening and awe inspiring and looking over there's live lava popping out but as a child i remember being very frightened and then scurrying back down the slope and just drawing in the sand um so i think that's my first memory of wow. of um being creative and you know drawing sort of like spirals in the sand of this remote volcanic island how incredible <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing what a good start to life <laughs> and uh, were you as a child you know in general pretty creative yes uh that was that was my m- main focus was and i think a lot of children naturally are they they just want to create and make things i used to spend hours and hours creating little worlds out of plasticine which i then went uh, carried on um, with my daughter actually and we used to spend hours and hours making little villages and planes and boats and farms and cafes out of plasticine and i used to spend a lot of time doing that in my own imagination and drawing pictures and it's all i really ever wanted to do i mean apart from because i grew up when we arrived back from Vanuatu, we lived in Tiamutu in the Waikato. And, you know, apart from wanting to be an all black and um, <laughs> play cricket like Lance Kens, um, it was drawing pictures and making things out of plasticine. Mm, how amazing. And that's, <laughs> I mean, you can actually see the connection with what you do now, with what you were thinking as a child. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Creating these little worlds. Mm. Um, and getting lost in them really mm. and, and 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 having fun in that way yes mm. and so through high school how did you find art was that something that was your little happy place i loved it at high school because it was it was such a you know you know you you do all your other subjects and you know you want to pass the exam and and but the art the art room regardless of what we're doing i just absolutely loved it so it was definitely like my i can relax now i'm in the art class i don't have to feel stressed about you know falling behind in maths and you know doing all those other things it was um yeah it was a bastion Mm. and then because my dad was a teacher we moved around a lot so you know i went to school we moved from Tiamudu to Paru Bay in the far north and then I went to school in Hamilton and then my final years at secondary school in Wanganui. So I was always kind of on the, um, you know, I was always having to reestablish myself, create new friends, meet new people and, and the art room was just a real, real safe place for me and um, yeah, I spent a lot of time there, you know, screen printing or making ceramics um and when i was living in wanganui you know my 
my Christmas present was to go to the Su- Wanganui Summer, um, what do you call it, like art school thing that they'd put on mm. at the Polytechnic. And I'd just make clay dragons and, you know, en- enjoy meeting kind of bohemian people, which was so kind of exciting and amazing for me, you know, being a small town kid. I didn't really even know you could be an artist or or musician or, mm. you know, I had a very small world, fun, happy world, but very small. Mm. Mm. How interesting. And so when you were coming to the end of high school, were you thinking you would like to pursue a career in the arts? Yes, that's all I ever wanted to do. I wanted to be an artist, but I hate to say it, but my dad was very disparaging of me doing art. In fact, he would tell me off for drawing and I'd sort of hide my drawing away because um, he wanted me to read books, but I was more interested in drawing. And so he would sort of, you know, it had that kind of mentality of like forcing you to do it. So um, um, that was a bit of a challenge. And so I felt like, okay, being an artist isn't really an option. I need to actually think practically and what is the next best thing to being an artist, I thought at the time. So I studied graphic design at Wanganui Design School. Mm. And that was great, actually. I look back on it now. I mean, I would have loved to have been connected to the art world. I still feel kind of outside of it because I didn't go to the fine art school. And, and really? I'm coming from, yeah, I'm coming from a different perspective and a different um, way of thinking about it. Mm. But oh, it is what it is, isn't it? Mm. And um, yeah, I, I do, you know, I feel like a bit of an outsider in the art world. But yes, yeah, so I studied graphic design and so I learned, you know, how to use the computers and Photoshop and, you know, all those programs and learn about typography and setting things up for print and you know, typographical design with posters. And so it's all very good stuff, mm. you know, and it has helped me a lot in in the diversity of the projects that I did later and all the different things that I got into later because it was just like, oh, great, I'm setting up a big samba band in Wellington and now I, I'm going to design all the posters for it and promotion for it, you yeah. know. So it was kind of… It's a great skill. I mean, really, you can see, you can see the graphic design background through your work, some of your work. Mm. And so it must it must have, you know, would have had some benefit for sure. Hey. Yeah, I, I definitely think so, yeah. yes. And did you enjoy actually working in that graphic design uh, arena? Not particularly. <laughs> I, I definitely it was, I needed to be an illustrator, um, which was the next step closer to becoming an artist. And I'm still an illustrator today, but... And as as I guess we we can talk later, I sort of span a lot of different areas in the arts with my interests. But um, uh, I I know I try. You know, I was doing a lot of Mac operating, um, which is the very technical side of it, and it just doesn't really suit my personality. And when you when a lot of things are depending on you to send this document off to print and it has to be exactly right. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was mm. a bit challenging for me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's, it takes a certain person to kind mm. of work like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, 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 a, yeah, I'm definitely an illustrator and artist and so that 
incredibly pedantic technical side of it is not something that comes naturally to me. Mm. So how long did you stay in that career? Oh, well, I worked off and on. I, you know, I traveled to, to London and worked in a couple of advertising agencies as a, as a uh, Mac operator. Some of them I did enjoy because, you know, it all depends on where you land and I enjoyed the banter, you know, I enjoy having a Mm. laugh and, you know, meeting some of the art directors who are real hard cases, you know, and before I went, actually, before I went to England, I was working on a children's book with this hero and friend of mine I got to know called Fane Flaws, who was in Blurter, and he's a he's a, a musician wow. and illustrator. He did the animations, animated start of the radio with pictures, if you remember that, yes, back in the 80s. Totally. Um, he did that angel that rises up, and so, and he got me to do a, um, a one of his prototype books the horse in polka dot pajamas and len cheeseman who was a typographer in wellington for Saatchi's, did the type and when i was in england i was like oh yeah i showed them this book that i'd done and they're like oh len cheeseman did that and i was like yeah and they're like oh we know we know lenny the lunch sir lunch a lot <laughs> i hope that's not offensive offending <laughs> to len if he hears this and um you know so i enjoy i enjoyed the kind of camaraderie of it but um yeah i couldn't wait to get out of it and just become an illustrator Mm. and so that was your goal you were thinking this is going Mm -hmm. to change how do i get myself into this new career that's right so what was the what was the transition for you oh i just slowly took on more illustration jobs where i could um and and there was a bit of crossover doing doing graphic design, but trying to add an illustrative component in it. One year, I um, took on doing the Wellington Jazz Festival, so it's like designing the booklet, um, doing all the posters, and I did a kind of nineteen fifties kind of Jim Flora illustrative, very jazz, you know, bebop style illustration and. You know, tried to get work from the then learning media, yeah, um, which did all the um, school journals and mm. things, and a lot of famous artists like Colin McCann and um, various people have worked for them. Yeah, so I just sort of slowly, slowly edged into it, and then I just sort of, I just had enough um, working in, in in that environment, and then just jumped into it and was very poor for a long time mm, but you decided to devote yourself to yeah. full-time art, yeah. artist practice yeah illustration mainly but yeah. um, trying to do my own painting and drawing and um, comics and things like that yeah Everything. and how old were you at that stage well um, I kind of had two runs at it really when I when I left design school I just was was um completely in this kind of like what have I done with my last three years I want to be an artist I don't want to do this and I started to I went into a shop in Cuba Street and said I saw this that was back in the kind of 1998 you know Mm. maybe a little bit earlier and it was this kind of acid jazz and dance music was just coming out and there was this shop called 
there was a couple of really cool shops doing really beautiful graphics on their t-shirts and things called Ripe and Finn. And I went into Finn and I said, I'd love to do some designs for your t-shirt, design some clothes. So because also as a kid, I used to love designing clothes and screen printing and I had my own little surf design label and things like that. My mum would sew the clothes cool. and I would screen print them oh, wow. and I'd sell them to kids at school. So I was a little bit of an mm. entrepreneur even back then. And and I started to, I was washing dishes one night a week in, in a cafe. Um, so, yeah, I just... I just don't know. I had this inspiration. I bowled in there one day and said, um, yeah, can I design clothes for you? And and, and um, they were like, yeah. And so I started my own little label called Lounge and made designs for them. And we screen printed, helped them screen printed T-shirts. And I was kind of selling these kind of illustrative designed T-shirts. And... Had they came with a little comic, each one came with its own little comic, and I've still got some of them. Which you wrote. Yeah, which I wrote, but they're very much illustrative based. And and then um, I, I really just enjoyed that. And I was, uh, yeah, traveling around doing that, um, selling T-shirts and things like that. And and then I went to the, went, went on a bit of an overseas um, um my OE, mm. so to speak. Yeah. And um, and so when I came back, and that's when my daughter was born, when I came back from the UK, uh, you know, I had a stint working in advertising agencies in Wellington, very sporadic and very like just roped in here and there, a week here, a week there. And uh, that's when I started to really, once again, kind of do illustration work. But it had always been very piecemeal. Like I was working as a landscape gardener over in the UK as well and 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 met some ladies who owned a Beetle Beatles memorabilia shop. And so I started designing Beatles posters and things with a little yellow submarine influence. Mm. So yeah, I've done a few mm. crazy little projects here and there to sort of keep myself going. Yeah, that's mm. brilliant. Mm. And then now, you know, as an artist who you have all these different areas that you're involved with. Like, you know, you do public art and, and murals and that kind of thing. Mm. And then also animation and illustration of books. And um, you do commissions for businesses. And you do all these other amazing little projects. Yeah. So it would be really nice for us to kind of work through your practice and um, and talk through, you know, what you do and how you do it, basically. So just going back, how did you actually, when did you get to that point where you thought, right, this is my career now, this is what I do, and you focus yourself full-time on that practice? Well, uh, it, 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 I just made that leap and then, and then just decided to do it. So that was a good 20, you know, almost 30 years ago mm, and then just stuck with it which is so good that you thing. you got there in mm. the end you know mm. even knowing that your dad wouldn't approve <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is though he he was very happy in, in certain times he was quite proud of me in certain times like you know when i've worked in um because i have had periods where i've worked in film so mm. Like I, I got roped. It's all, it's all very 
most of my work has been very word of mouth, very um, spontaneous as in I'll meet someone and then something will happen. So I got roped into working on King Kong and then someone else roped me into working on The Hobbit. And when I came up here, I've been working on Lord of the Rings as a concept artist. And these have been little sporadic periods. I don't focus on film work because it, it's all-encompassing and it takes all your time and mm. energy. And it's not um, necessarily long-term. And it's not long-term. And you do kind of lose a little bit of disconnect with, with what your, 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 um, your outside, the work outside of that. And he has been very, he was very proud of those things you know working for peter jackson you know so in a way you know he he became you he know came proud of it when it. it when he saw that you know yeah it and wasn't it just a sort of yeah because for that generation it is because they didn't see it as and he was probably quite right <laughs> for a lot of my life is not a really practical way to make money but it know. must be hard with your kind of art practice that it's quite sort of reliant on on projects mm. it's not just you in the studio making 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 and hoping to sell mm. it mm. i mean that would be part of it but a lot of it yes. is project based isn't yeah. it? yeah i mean i've had periods of it's always been project based but i have had periods in the past where i've been able to dedicate three months solid to painting and then having an exhibition mm. and i've relished those periods to just deep dive into yeah. into doing some painting because I'm a self obviously I've been a self-taught artist and painter you know trained as a graphic artist but um yeah really enjoyed learning about paint and mm. um going deep into that so what tell us about your paintings let's talk about those to start with so um what inspires you to create your paintings all my work the, the the common thread is a is a storytelling thread. So almost all my projects have a have an underlying story that they're like a window into a world. The joy of creating depth, like a lot of my work has a lot of depth, and that is part of that uh, taking people on a bit of a journey. Each painting. And so I like to do stuff a little bit, f a little bit more figuratively, generally, because it sort of sets up those kind of uh, almost like a, they're almost like storybook pictures. Everyone, and I, I love doing landscapes that are kind of very um, eth etheric, but tie into a New Zealand uh, bush aesthetic or. Um, but take people on a bit of a journey. So that's the common thread. And, and when I'm painting, I get lost in that story and evoking the imagery, you know, like a dream. Mm. So that's what I really enjoy. Mm. And where does that dream come from? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Your head somewhere. And, I mean, you're obviously um, inspired by Mexican Day of the Dead yes. and other other things can yes. you tell us about that well i just love i love the peaceful and the tranquility of painting scenes but i also love the kitsch the super kitsch and the sort of reference to 
Catholic kind of imagery and the Mexican stuff is artwork and, and culture is so ripe and so vivaciously kind of fruity and yeah and I went to Mexico in oh 20, 20 odd years ago and went to the Day of the Dead celebrations I love the macabre skeletons you know I when I was in Europe I went to Kutnahora, I think that's how you pronounce it. A church made all the interior completely made out of bones. And that macabre um, beauty really inspired me for a long time, creating artworks. And that led into these kind of little shrines and dioramas and then automata, you know, moving pieces as well. Mm, so mm. interesting. And I love tequila. <laughs> well that's good so do we <laughs> we were just talking about margaritas with my husband before yeah. we started talking yeah, yeah. And, and that storytelling which seems to go through most of your work hmm. do you develop that story in your head and then need to sort of represent it visually or does it develop as your painting oh, it, it can happen both ways sometimes the imagery appears first and and then I develop the story around it. What I like to do is, is in my sketchbook, have little thumbnails of each painting, and very rough and very quick and small. And then, and then I work out this kind of flow or story, or even a color, a color landscape that moves through them. You know, um, I, I did a few of the. I'm fascinated by history as well. So I kind of look, I imagine a story that has some sort of historical context in New Zealand, um, Aotearoa. So, you know, I have I have this ongoing story, which I'd love to make a graphic novel one day, which is a, which spans a, 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 lot, a, a massive amount of time. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of, a lot of my paintings are, are based on the stories and that's why and that's why I like um Bill Hammond's work actually because mm. he has a kind of has these characters and he has volcanoes as well actually mm, and does. uh and I have an affinity with that as well and I think he's kind of got a Mexican influence too actually mm. and so the volcano from your childhood that that does appear quite heavily yeah through your work yeah that had a big influence yeah and I used to, I used to have this reoccurring dream of some sort of Egyptian that Egyptian kind of bird, like I think it's I think it's um oh, I can't remember the name of the deity that it represents, but it it's sort of almost like being chased by it. It was a little bit scary. Mm. <laughs> so um, I I don't yeah that's somehow connected. There's some kind of story going on there. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and is the, the the Catholic sort of references are they because you are a religious person, or is it more because you are fascinated by the um, imagery and the imagery really? Because I was brought up Anglican, so it's kind of quite austere. So you know the reliquary, you know, having skeletons inside the church with beautiful gilt you know cabinets you know i love cabinets of curiosity you know these these are made you know bo and i want to create one as a part of a some sort of stage show 
thing that I'll take to festivals, you know, like I, um, each little box having its own kind of um, history and, and this mm. this amazing relic, you know. Mm. That sort of stuff really fascinates me. Yeah, and that's amazing. I mean, it, you can see the connection with your 2D work with that, but it's a whole other way of telling your stories, I guess. Mm. And so is that the um, automata and box art? Is that what yeah. you're referring to in the diorama? Yeah, more so, more yeah. so with the diorama work can, can you tell us about that oh yeah well that's that's a fascination with tinkering uh, um and building things out of wire and enjoying just being myself and just by myself sorry inside the studio and just tinkering and i love i love the uh that that historical aspect of automaton you know they were kind of the peak of technology at one point and the height of fashion and in that kind of industrial the start of the i guess it's kind of the start of the industrial revolution maybe earlier like whole areas and streets would be making one tiny little screw and then another area would make the little cogs and that kind of they're tinkering away and then the master clockmaker would come along and put them all together to make these beautiful, exquisite pieces of art, you know, tiny and amazing. And the aesthetic of that and the, the tactile nature of that kind of clockwork technology, I guess it's a little bit steampunk, I guess, mm. you know, I, I, that, that really interests me and it kind of excites me and it has a historical element like there's a beautiful French automaton, which is a um, a small boy, and all the cogs are set in the back, and he can actually be programmed. So it's almost like the first computers, and he draws and writes a letter. You know, I just love that. You know, mm. it's just it's kind of magical, old yeah. world. It's yeah. very old world. I like that old world aesthetic and technology. Love creating, the, you know, these little suitcase or box box art pieces that are like shrines but then have this um ability to make people smile or or be surprised because suddenly they can move you know i've i've got a piece which i made from my my favorite cafe in wellington when i lived in wellington was deluxe cafe and it was just such an enchanting place and i made all made a miniature of the cafe with all these skeletons that moved and serve coffee and the dog was licking up the coffee off the floor and and seeing people's expression and joy when you turn the little crank and all these little creatures move and do things wow is really lo- really mm. lovely like i like to make people smile and mm. and and feel enchanted somehow how amazing and how do you go what's the process for creating something like that do you do lots of thinking and drawing and sketching yes I loved, you know, drawing the little plans, you know, in my sketchbook, thinking about it in three dimensions, working out how all the little crankshafts will work. You know, it's kind of, I sort of like, I look at Leonardo, I mean, I don't compare myself to Leonardo (laughs) Vinci, but, you know, I love looking at his drawings and seeing that his imagination was working away playfully, trying to create these technical you know pieces that he made like tanks and flying you know things so it's it's a joy of creativity and and um 
and imagining and with it with that little kind of technical aspect mm. which is really fun and that's also what i like about doing the film work is because you're creating you're thinking in three dimensions and you're making these concepts for props for tables for lathes and you know medieval lathes or um, whatever you're doing and you're you're making these drawings beautiful in in the world that they exist in you're given the the parameters of the aesthetics but you're also doing a a technical drawing which can be made by someone else and i quite like bringing the concepts into that practicality and mm. and then it's just an absolute joy to see someone with amazing skill uh, you know a metal um you know um person or a woodworker to create something you've drawn and then see it in three dimensions mm. is just it's very fun oh that would be <laughs> that would be amazing yeah and so when you're working with the films you um mostly did the drawings and the and the concepts? Oh yeah, I, I don't make any else of it. Did the oh, building. no way! <laughs> yeah, how amazing! Very, that would that, be incredible. Yeah, it is. It is a real joy, you know. Yeah. Like, I seem to, I've seem to. I loved Tolkien as a as a child. You know, I loved the world, and I loved mm. I loved the escapism of um of those stories, and so I have been lucky enough to work on the recent Lord of the Rings production. And I, I decided to work on it up here in Auckland because I've I've just I'm just new to Cumu. I bought some land with some friends and and um creating a little bit of eventually a little bit of paradise up here, which is a is amazing for me to have that stability in my life, mm. finally. But, you know, I got roped into it by um the lovely Megan who is the head of set deck on that film. And I was like, yeah, cool, I'll do it because I'd heard that the crew was a really nice crew and I get to meet some people and some really talented people, you know, blacksmiths and builders and model makers. And, and, and you know, a lot of them live out here in West Auckland. So, mm, so that yeah. was a joy to actually come up here and also finally meet you know, some, some Light-minded people. people. Yeah, and yeah. it has been the story of my life is just moving around as a child all over the North Island to every little small town. And then so, mm. you know, finally, you know, trying trying to um, fit in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully Kimu's your last stop. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. I planted a lot of trees and I want to be around to see them grow. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And that that film environment must just be so motivating, seeing all these incredible craftspeople. Oh, yeah, and a lot of fun, you know. You, you, up there at Smoko, haven't they? are just such funny people, and mm. I live for that spontaneity of, mm. you know, having a laugh with these, these yeah. you know, all these amazing people. Mm. That's so good. And so, you know, already we've talked about – your painting and your your film work and mm. as a concept artist and your you know other work that is more 3D isn't it really it's quite mm. sculptural mm. so you know you have got a whole lot of things that you do that probably have sort of connecting ideas i guess yeah 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 and that um that amazing sort of more technical side of making things work it's mm. quite interesting how that's kind of come into your practice as well. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm that good at it, but I'm enthusiastic. You love it, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And that's a big yeah. part of it, isn't it? Yeah. And then so with your painting, that were you actually painting on canvas or how were yeah. you approaching that? Painting on canvas, canvas or board, 
and um, I'm mainly using acrylics. And I worked. I had a studio with a lady called Fifi Colson, who I'd recommend for this podcast. And she's a wonderful illustrator. And she she had found these paints, and and um, and they had a medium which you could use to create a trans semi-translucent kind of so you could layer up paints and that was just like i just got one tip from her and that changed my whole enjoyment and and got me into painting on a deeper level because you could slowly build up colors with layers of colors coming through Mm. and that and i just got lost in that because you know i love depth i love being i love the viewer's eye to be able to go in and see go and mm. you know and see deeply into the painting create yeah. layers that would be great for that like old stage sets you know yeah, fascinated yeah. by that aesthetic yeah and you can see the connection with that idea and then mm. your your boxes mm. you know having that depth where you're kind of looking into a space mm. with 3d objects yeah yeah that's really interesting and then as far as the murals go and the mm. um you know the street art can you tell us about that well, I've been, I've always loved to do murals and it's just another extension of painting and it's a nice challenge. It's quite, it's quite a challenge working on that big scale. And I did a series of murals in Wellington in the very early 2000s um, with, a, with a, a theatrical kind of performance element to them as well. Um, and, uh, and I've sort of, in the last kind of, eight years I've started to get back into doing them and uh yeah it's it's just a really fun opportunity to to paint things on a big scale and um I guess help help create a a joyful aesthetic within the city which is which for the last kind of 15 years I've been really interested in in theatrical and interactive experiences for people within cities and festivals and things like that, which is another element to my art as well. Mm. Um, that's another thing we can talk about. Yeah, sorry, I was jumping ahead there. <laughs> no, no, that's But the murals, right. I just love doing murals. And, yeah. You know, it's just a fun... And how do they happen? Are you commissioned to do, to make something on a building? Yeah, yeah, it's all pretty random. Yeah, well, I've had a great relationship with... Jeff from Havana Coffee for years and years. Um, and he's a very keen supporter of the arts and anything that's really fun in Wellington. I first met him when I was setting up a big community samba band. I came back from overseas and that was one of my first missions was to try and set up Wellington Batucada. And I roped in some other mates right at the start who were actual musicians because I'm not a musician, but I'm just like a enthusiast. And so I would go and see Jeff and various other kind of cool businesses in Wellington on Cuba Street and get them to sponsor. And so I'd create these big parties, paint big murals and sets and sculptures for these parties that I'd put on to try and raise money to buy instruments, samba instruments from Brazil and set up this community. So 
And that's still going strong, actually. I'm going down to Wellington on the 19th for the 21st anniversary of Wellington Batacada. Wow. And it's, you know, yeah. Batacada, what is that? I've it's never a big heard of um, samba bateria. So it's a big rolling street percussion band playing really sort of powerful, strong um, Brazilian oh, wow. rhythms like you'd see at the Rio Carnival with all the dancers and things That'd like that. That'd be amazing. And um, we used to practice on Sundays and all go to the pub and – yeah, it's just a really nice community. And uh, so I've had, you know, Jeff has um, sponsored a lot of the things I've done over the years at festivals and things. And um, and so I've kind of, and I've done lots of work for them over the years and illustration work. And, and when they were setting up their Parnell roastery here, they were like, we want... They found that I'd. They heard that I'd moved up here, and they wanted to keep that Havana connection and someone that understands the Havana aesthetic. And but I, so I kept some of the. I, I used some of the ongoing and traditional characters and things and styles that they've had. Took a lot of the colours from the packaging, which is an absolute masterpiece. The packaging. Yeah, it's brilliant. My old, one of my old tutors from design school works on the packaging actually. And um, and incorporated some new characters into it to kind once again to create new stories and new traditions, new mythology um, here in Auckland, and create its own home and and help to sit nicely, you know. And and I painted myself in the mural as well. Cool. <laughs> and in the airship. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm going to put that uh, photo of that in the blo- in your blog post cool. so we can have a look. So how did you actually go about creating that mural from beginning to end? What's your process? Oh, it was quite challenging actually because when you're so excited about, and it's huge, and creating something that really captures the essence, you know, the, the irreverent, quality and the color and the and the history it's quite hard to pin all that stuff down and it was quite a multifaceted wall so it has a long bit with you know windows underneath and it has a roller door um, and then some other bits but they're all on different layers and and I wanted to try and incorporate some humor into it you know as well as well as just a kind of a magical world it's like charlie and the chocolate factory havana coffee works mm. and when you go in there if you go in there dear listeners you will see what i'm talking about so um i i just i just tried to it has a nautical element as well in their aesthetic so i and and also parnell as the has the um ports mm. so i try to incorporate some of that and so the aesthetic and the, and the environment try and incorporate that into it, and so because it is by the port and it has the sea element, I created these new characters, these Havana mermaids there, so, and and they're kind of in the roastery, so it has got that central point of the actual roastery capturing, you know, mm. roasting the beans. And then, um, and then I was just like, "Well, I'm going to have some fun with this and create a um, Havana." The next step for Havana, which is you know on the moon, you know Havana in space. So I've got this kind of space 
you know, Havana Space Lady drinking coffee on the moon with the rocket ship. So I was just kind of trying to have fun and create something that, you know, is aesthetically really lovely and captures mm. lots of color and movement, lots of movement because it's dynamic, it's coffee, and they're a dynamic person. If you ever meet Jeff, you'll definitely find out how dynamic it is. <laughs> oh, you, I mean, it definitely feels like that when you look at it. It's, mm. It sort of draws you in. The color is so sort of powerful mm. and striking and yummy. Mm. And then um, again, you sort of you are drawn in because it's that sort of whole story and so mm. many interesting sort of aspects to it. Mm. And how did you go about? I mean, did you draw it up and then yeah. how did you get it on the wall? That's quite a big I, change. Uh, oh man, I. It was a real rush, and uh, because the opening was was quite close, and when we finally got the go ahead to go in, and I designed it all on my iPad, on on a picture of the building, so it could fit perfectly, and I had to get it passed obviously by them, to and so I had it there, and then I just basically did it. I kind of, I I uh, I. I looked at my iPad, my 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 color version of it on my iPad. So and then worked out roughly a scale, and put a few key points on it, and then I just chalked up a few of those key points to my scale. So you know, uh, uh, and then I just had to go for it. So I didn't have time to. Pro- I for some reason I I felt like it was too hard to project it. At mm. the time, because I was starting to work on the day, and I don't know, I didn't have a projector, so I just launched straight into it by wow. by plotting out a few little key yeah. points, and then kind of doing it from there. I also had to paint some big parts of it at home because the surface was so uneven that they, I had. So he he gave me these um. Uh, the, the art director of that project gave me some big um, sheets, and my and the, my new studio that I was building was just completely bare and just like framework, mm. but it had a roof on it, so I could start working on it in there. And that actually gave me, and the scale was easier to work out on that. Mm. And then so I you just, didn't grid it at all. Just well, I, I, I kind of did, but mainly just key points. And not then, a proper grid. Not a proper grid. No. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And then fast and loose. I I can't imagine it. And did you use chalk initially for the outlines, or did you do the whole? Did you paint one whole background color? I, I kind of just freestyled it. Amazing. I did a few little chalk bits, but mainly just freestyled it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's the forgiveness of paint, isn't it? You can just paint over it. Yeah. But um, I was so it was such a tight deadline. I had to race through it that I just had to do it, and so. Sometimes you know though that pressure, and you just get brave. Yeah, it and, can be. And a you good trust thing. yourself, and you and, mm. and it can, and it worked. And you use. I wouldn't recommend it all the time. No, it <laughs> sounds pretty stressful. Did you use rollers and paintbrushes? Yeah. And no, no spray paint. I used a little bit of spray paint too, mm. at points, because the surface was so uneven. The roller door just took me 10 days alone and then I had to race through the rest of it that was on a flat surface and roped in some mates to sort of paint flat areas and then I could go over and do the detail as well. So, yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> incredible. And have you done many of those kind of projects? I've done a, quite a few murals over the years, mm. yeah. And you enjoy them? Yeah. Mm. 
Well, it's another way for you to tell your stories, isn't it? Just on a on a larger scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. And then you're part of the um, League of Live Illustrators. Yeah. Which is interesting, and it sounds like an amazing artist network. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Well, it has been a very profoundly um, great effect, um, both on my professional practice, working with other people who have really great skills in that side of it, um, uh, in terms of like just charging what you're worth, giving you the confidence to do that when you work with a collaborative group. And we've, we've been going for like eight years now, and Kelly Spencer's part of it, um, Yasmin Alofi, Megan Salol, Rebecca Whale, and and uh, we, we go into places, uh, conferences and things like that, and do live illustration, but we're not the usual live illustrators that take lots of notes. We just pull out the gems and spend more time on doing illustrative and typographical kind of vignettes for the key points so that's kind of we're, we're it's yeah we're not taking notes we're really pulling out the gems mm. and illustrating them so we can spend a little bit more time and it has more meaningful relevance to people i think and it, because it just because people can see these very clear images and capturing Mm. The really important things, rather than screeds of notes and a few illu- populated by a th- few illustrations, which then just gets stored away somewhere. Like, for instance, that project positive. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I'm. Yes, there. <laughs> no, please go ahead. Um, which was part of the League of Live Illustrators, which which you might see the work, um, which was pulling out kids' ideas around anti-bullying and then illustrating them. And capturing these beautiful ideas that the kids had, you know, like, I like you more than pizza. Hmm. You know, what a great thing to mm. say, you know. And um, and then creating these beautiful and funny images, it's just, just much more powerful. Yeah. And it's just lovely working with a collaborative group, especially as an artist and an illustrator. You spend a lot of time by yourself. And we have our weekly catch-ups and we work together. We travel around. That's fantastic. All parts of the country. And listening to wonderful people, absolutely dedicated and profoundly skilled and caring, doing what they're doing. It could be health, it could be justice reform, it could be iwi working on their projects. And we go in and we listen to all these amazing people and then we capture and help them to really solidify and and um capture what they want to do or where they're heading mm. and as an illustrator and an artist it's it's really nice to feel that usefulness or that you're really contributing and helping people mm. by your artwork and i guess that's why i like illustration a lot because you do feel that like i'm, I'm it's it's probably a hang up that i have but it, it it feels it makes me feel very um what i'm doing is is um is worthwhile it's not just the self indulgence i'm actually really like doing a job and helping people here mm, making a difference making a difference yeah and we get such positive feedback and that's incredible people treat it like treasures especially a lot of the um iwi that we've worked for you know mm. 
Um, and how does that actually, I mean, the, the League of Live Illustrators, so it is all, everything you do within that group is responding to something in real time. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you, you can't you can't obviously keep up exactly with what's happening, but we usually have a note taker feeding us little bits and we're pulling things out here and there and um, just trying to go as fast as we can. It's actually very stressful. Yeah, it would be intense. Very intense and very exhausting. Mm. Like if I do a full day of that, I find I'll try and get back to my studio and work the next day. I'm, I'm exhausted. But yeah. you get that adrenaline and you just mm. go for it. Because you're listening and processing. Yeah. And also sort of thinking about how to turn that into illustration, I guess, which is quite a big yeah. thing. But I mean, those I love those posters from the um, the Positive Project. Mm. Uh, there's Kia Kaha with the the unicorn, so it's mm-hmm. kind of very pop arty in a way, isn't it? Yeah, and um, simple sort of flat use of color. Yep, but really cool, and I love the way it's connected to kids and and what mm. they've come up with. So, is the League of Live Illustrators is that what you do all the time, or do you also come together for other projects and work? work together on things like murals? Well, Kelly and I tend to work together sometimes on murals. Uh, the rest of the guys, it's mainly just the League of Live Illustrators. But we inspire each other in, in so many other ways, you know. <laughs> you know, because some will be, you know, a couple of... We usually work in pairs, so, you know, we'll drive off to some marae or in the middle of the Coromandel and we'll have lots of time to catch up and, and give each other advice on life and <laughs> <laughs> chew the fat, you know, catch up with whatever's, whatever we're all doing on. Cause we're all working on our own projects outside of it. Mm. Um, so that joy of that friendship over eight years and that collaborative, you know, um, working together and mm. that support we each have as friends is just, it's just priceless, really. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So good. And yeah. a lot of artists probably yearn for that but don't have it. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that idea. And you've done quite a few different collaborations with different artists, Steve, uh, and also people who are working in the arts who are not necessarily visual artists. So can you tell us about those projects? Well, yes, that's, that's an, ex- an exciting part of... You know, being in the in the art world and the creative industries is, and and the um, flaneur culture of Wellington, being able to bump into people and cafes and and talk about ideas and get inspired and get things happening, um, and and a, a city that where you can walk around and bump into people, that's where the magic happens, and so. From exhibiting at uh, Deluxe Cafe in Wellington and popping in there for coffees and talking about, you know, the, the, the latest sports and culture and everything, in, you know, in, a, in, a, in, in that wonderful coffee-fueled setting. Um, I talked to Duncan Sarkis, and he's, he's a writer, and I said, I've, you know, I've got – these paintings are all part of a story, and I would love to work – with a writer and develop the stories along with these visuals in some way, and uh, and he was he sort of took that on board, and then and then later on he said, why don't we do a project together? No, open ended. See what happens. Let's get together, and I'll get James Milne, aka Lawrence Arabia, 
together. So, an, a, a, you know, a visual artist, a writer, and a musician, and we will just come together and make something happen. And so we did, and we spent some joyous times connecting and going to old halls and booking them out and doing lots of those kind of, you know, writing impromptu kind of uh, um, games, almost like sort of imp- improv theatre type stuff, but with writing and you've got two minutes to come up with this and that. And we did lots of really interesting, creative ways of getting ideas and going deeper. And we ended up working, creating a story together um, and eventually got called The Mysterious Secrets of Uncle Bertie's Botanarian. And it was... And it, with with the aesthetic of my work and 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 the the other guys' interests, we it it's a kind of a parallel universe to Captain Cook, but in in a, in a very fantastical land where where plants are, we we took we we kind of exaggerated that whole kind of Joseph Banks era where botanists were superstars but where plants were fetishized. So they kind of replace women in a way, in the sense that like you're lured in to the kind of um, exotic and erotic nature of plants and the wild word and world and that Victorian disdain for pleasure. And he, and, and um, yeah, so it's a, it's a rollicking adventure story, but with a very, a, a very twisted and, um, fantastical play on that kind of period of adventure and mm. sailing tall ships and things. So it's really fun. So you also illustrate books. Yeah. As if there's not enough things that you do, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is incredible. And I know you've got some sort of dreams of creating some of your stories into mm. animations and yeah. maybe f- films. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. Can we hear all about that side of your practice? Well, um, the first book I did, and it's my only trade book, actually. I'd like to do more, but I just, I don't know, I haven't really pursued it, but I do enjoy it, was I had an exhibition at Deluxe and Cafe, and it had lots of nautical things. I love painting nautical things as well. And a lady, Robin Nathan, who is, some of you listeners may know, is um Fat Cat and Fish Face, or now her new iteration is Flea Bite. She does a lot of kids' music. And my sister and I worked worked together a lot with her. But she bowled into the cafe and saw my work and said, do you want to do an animation? And I'd never done an animation before. I'd always wanted to. Uh, with this sea shanty song called The Wreck of the Diddley. And so my sister and I made this animation to the sea shanty song. I said yes because I liked the song. And, um, and my sister's an animator for, she works for, um, a TV show. Um, and, and then that turned into a children's book and mm. pot and press, pot and press published it. And, um, and now I've, and then I, I've just done another one with Robin Nathan and after, uh, after it's from originally an animation that I did with another guy, Ross Payne, who used to share a studio with, uh, who's a great animator. It's called "Don't Sit Underneath the Don't Sit Under the Poo Tree," and that uh, won Best Kids Animation 2015. 
And so that is a that is a new that is a children's book that we've written. And my sister is setting up a publishing company called Roofless because her name is Ruth Templer. Brilliant. And that has just come out on Amazon, and so people can buy uh-huh. that. So it's like a, a short film, animated well, a, film. A, no, it's an actual children's book. Oh, it's so written, that's the it's book. It's illustrated oh, right. as a children's book. Oh, now, brilliant. So, so yeah. What's the title again? Don't sit under the poo tree. Uh, Maybe ki- we could. Post kids would the love link. it. Yeah, it's yeah. Hilarious. I'll post the link and, and yeah. a photo. But yeah, kids would love that, wouldn't they? Anything mm. to do with poo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun for kids. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Really? So you've got that sort of animation and and illustration of books kind of combining, and that's a beautiful way mm. to use your your storytelling, natural storytelling, and sort of vivid imagination. Yeah, making animations, making things move is really fun. I usually work with an animator, but, you know, do the characters, the storyboards, the backgrounds, and set it all up so they can kind of Mm. manipulate them. So good. And is there anything else that you do that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I like, I really like doing, uh, building uh, theatrical things. I've got this... uh, um, but I like working with bicycles and um, and light as well. Um, and when I first, what really actually, how I moved to Auckland was I was working on a, a project involved musicians and I was building these giant illuminated whales and it was a thing that people could follow this family of whales. They were huge. They were about five meters long by about, 2.5 maybe 3 meters high and lit up and people could follow them along and uh, and along the way this little bicycle kind of track was all different performances music interactive things and um, and when I was up here about 3 years ago working on that that's that's when I saw this piece of land and ended up moving up here um so I, I I like doing stuff that makes people smile and that is interactive. And I've created like bicycle puppet shows. You know, I was really fascinated by the Kamishi Bai Japanese bicycle story telling tradition. And um, so I like I like doing stuff that that I like doing stories and and I I, I do have a performance bug that I or itch that I need to scratch mm. and I like making people laugh so mm. um and bringing them into worlds that they feel safe but also um like they're in a really special um magical place and uh so that that kind of street theater interactive performance and creating things I, I mm. love doing that as well. You so. are such a creative. <laughs> Your mind is just like, just, yeah, it's incredible what you come up with. Oh, and I know you. you've just um, had a three-day <laughs> party festival at yeah. your place, yeah. which you kindly invited us to, but we didn't quite get there. That's all right. But, um, yeah, I mean, you obviously just love that sort of festival vibe and, mm. and creating um, different experiences. Well, I've done a lot of it in the, in, mm. you know, for Cuba Dupa, for um, a little bit for Shipwrecked and various festivals. And, I'd st- yeah. Mm. And, um, and you've done artwork in those festivals as well. Mm. Yeah. And so I'd like to continue doing that stuff. But 
uh, I don't know if this is jumping the gun, but one thing I have learned is not to stretch yourself too thin because I have done that in the past and just and just basically run myself into the ground. Yeah. Well, it sounds and, like you do have a very, not only do you have a busy creative mind, but you're a busy person doing lots of different mm, things, mm, but things that you love. Mm. Well, funnily enough, I had a bit of a, a bit of a kind of fallow period during during the lockdown and, and actually kind of retreated and sort of I guess recovered a little bit because I did my last few years in Wellington I'd I'd really pushed to did too much, mm. kind of burned myself out. And so I'm slowly coming Steve Fest is kind of like my reemergence coming out of my chrysalis. Mm, that's good. <laughs> and you moved away from Wellington, which you mm. you were based down there for quite a long time. Yeah, for a long, long time. Mm. Yeah. And you built a tiny house on this land. Yeah, well, and I, decorated it. Yeah, well, I actually built it in Wellington and then towed it up, and then which was a very full-on thing, and put it on the old cow shed concrete slab, and now I've built a studio connected to it. So wow. finally, after the last five years, I have a place to work. So I'm very happy. Mm, that sounds great. Mm. Well, it does sound like the butterfly has emerged. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll find, hopefully, find your place out here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, what is on? What's what are your main projects at the moment, and what have you got coming up? Well, yeah, um, I've I've, uh, I've got quite a few things happening. The my other collaborative team, the League of Live Illustrators, we've got work um, coming up um, with that all the time. I'm doing a uh, a shrine kind of mermaid deity taken from the mural I did for Havana Coffee Works, which I'm super excited about, which is very challenging, doing a sculptural piece at the moment, which is overdue, but I need, uh, I've got to get on with that. And where's that going to be? That's going to be at the cafe, and it's... Oh, the, the actual yeah, Havana Cafe. Yeah, so, and it's about like a metre by about 600 wide, metre tall, and... Um, so I'm excited. I can't wait to, to to get lost in that, and I'm off to Boone Street uh, Street Art Festival on um, in a, in a few days. So I'll be down in, down in Hamilton to the 27th of no, November, and then um, trying to frantically finish off this deity for Havana Coffee Works, and um, and then carrying on with some other bits mm. and pieces, and then. And then in my downtime, hopefully work on some of my own um, graphic novel ideas and other stories and comedy shows for festivals and things around around the country in the in the summer as well. So so good. <laughs> yeah. You're a busy guy, <laughs> but so good that you can be doing so many different things that really light your fire. Yeah. Hey, that's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> So that brings us to our final questions. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit, Steve, about your favourite artists and if they influence your work? I think they all do in different ways and in in, in, in various amounts. Um, I made a little list in preparation Good. for this interview. We like this. <laughs> and I'll give you the list. I've written Bill Hammond. Uh, I've always admired his kind of dreamy, kind of dreamlike landscapes, and and his colour sensibilities are very uh, similar to mine. Colin McCann, I love his 
the the joy that he brings to to painting you know the the white paint onto the black and the and the mood and the typography i love his sort of graphic but yet very deep uh you know work um ryan hesker he's a american painter illustrator and just fruity wonderful kind of camp superheroes and oh, I, I don't know what uh, retro kitsch bizarreness um and, um and then and then i'm moving on to these these are artists in different areas but i love noel fielding and julian barrett the the writers and creators of the mighty bush and uh at a period of my life the mighty bush came along and and gave me just such such joy um and got me out of a little bit of a trough and made me look at the world through a sort of magical interesting exciting lens where you never know what's around the corner and it could be just fantastic um malcolm mclaren because i just loved i felt that he was so influential with music and art and he was at the zeitgeist of so many interesting things and he sort of uh, he felt that energy of the time and you know with with his with the music and all that sort of stuff and I the love clothing that. and the clothing mm. duck rock i've still got that album um and then i've got uh i wrote down uh jeff um from havana and matt wilson they're like big cafe and coffee guys in wellington but they've created this aesthetic um along cuba street and around wellington which is just amazing and i think their art is creating these spaces and atmospheres for people to come in and feel safe and happy and and um buoyant Uh, and uh you know the spaces are filled with conversations and um beautiful decor and color but in a non-pretentious very very open to 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 everyone kind of Mm. sense and i think they are there are massive influences on the wellington cultural landscape even though they may not get the credit for it because they're you know they're they're you know they're coffee magnets and cafe kind of owners but they're artists in their own right i feel Mm. Yeah, so. and they, I mean, that is the vibe down there, isn't it? Mm. Keep around Cuba Street is so incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we're trying to recreate some of that up here in Auckland now. Yes, <laughs> we need it, don't we? Yeah. Good answer. Thank you. And as an artist, what would you say is your biggest challenge? Um, time management. <laughs> Saying... Um, saying yes to too many things and then stretching myself too thin um, delegation and asking for help when you need it uh, and um, and also factoring in time to do my own projects um, yeah. rather than just always doing stuff for other people all the time mm. which is good you get paid but you know, yeah, and you need the balance like to keep yourself a, fresh. Exactly, and you've got a lot of things ticking along in your mind, haven't you? Mm. Stuff that you want to develop, building up and building. Up. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> it's good. To, it's yep. a good problem to have. Too many ideas, but it's just finding time, mm. isn't it? Often, yeah. 
And what would you say to your younger artistic self? Um, fo- focus on 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 things and get more clarity. Learn an instrument <laughs> and just stick with it. Um, uh, don't be afraid to think big, um, which I'm still learning. Uh, be a bit braver and and really um yeah be brave and and um don't limit yourself um don't be afraid of going big which i'm still kind of learning you know i do lots of things but i feel like there's still a long way to go mm. and when i was younger i was very very much i've come out of my shell a lot over the years um, and so, yeah, being brave. Don't be afraid to try new things, and you know, and be be adventurous. Mm. I think that's what well, I, I feel tell like myself. You're, you're already on that track, yeah, to a certain extent. You know, <laughs> Definitely. You're, you're on the road, yeah, at least. And <laughs> um, why do you think you make the kind of work that you make? Uh, it sounds cheesy, but. Uh, Fundamental, fundamentally, I really do like to make people smile and find a way for people to connect with each other. Uh, and um, yeah, just bring uh, it's, I, I, I shudder when I say this, but bring some joy to the world, you know, warm up the atmosphere, so to speak. Not all my work is, is is full of joy. Some of it has a dark, brooding, melancholy sense to it. But, but in a way, <laughs> like Morrissey, I guess that's kind of a that's kind of a joy in its own way, and in, in its stillness, and it's um, taking you to um, another place, which is timeless and uh, more meditative. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, creating depth. Um, and and stories, and and just taking people to to places which are which are special and out of the ordinary. I think mm. trying to sum it up, but not doing a great job. No, but no, that's the sense good. I'm trying to. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to your work, isn't there? On sort of lots of different levels. It's not only visual, but it's. It has quite a lot of meaning and, and stories behind what you're creating. So there's quite it's quite sort of multi leveled, I'd say. Yeah. And you do stuff and you don't even realise you probably do the same thing. Mm, mm. And then you later you're like, Oh, okay, that's what that means. And yeah. that's why I did that as you understand more about yourself through the work. That's right. Mm. And you sort of make connections like all the way back to the volcano you talked about at the beginning. Right. You know, yeah. those those connections that sometimes you're not aware of until you sit down maybe like this, have yes. a conversation and you're just like, ah, oh. I mean, there's just so many things connected, isn't there? And mm. somebody's life, but also creatives' heads. Yeah. And those subconscious things dwelling beneath the surface but then they they emerge sometimes and you don't yeah you it takes a little while for you to realize that they're all connected yeah yeah totally 
All right, Steve. Well, thank you very, very much for coming out to the studio, and I look forward to bumping into you at New World Kumu and <laughs> <laughs> and other um, hopefully more exciting places. Yes. And uh, yep. yeah, lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. Yeah, it's been a real joy having a chat here. <laughs>